0: Hello and welcome to the Sailorville Church Parenting Podcast. Our goal is to partner with parents to find biblical solutions to real life issues. I'm your host, Jared Leonard, and with me is my beautiful wife and co host, Alyssa Leonard.
1: Hi, everybody.
0: And our guest today, we're really excited, is uh, Jason and Meredith R. Jason and Meredith Jackson.
2: Hey, everybody. Hi, friends.
0: Uh, sorry. I am already messing up, but that's all right. You guys are used to that. Uh, thanks so much for joining us today, Jacksons. Tell us a little bit about your family. You always open it up by asking ages of children. So tell us about your family.
2: Yeah. So, uh, Meredith and I've been married for over 20 years. We love each other. We love being parents to our son, Judah. He just turned 10 this summer. And he's in fourth grade, and he's just a ball of energy. And he's somewhere with your daughters right now. Yeah, we Hopefully. don't know where they're at. <laughs> Which, <laughs> they're
0: running amok around the church. Somewhere fourth in the building. <laughs> they'll be fine.
2: Probably playing carpet ball or something <laughs> down in the brand new student center. But yeah, just, just Judah, and uh, we love him. He's great.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, the topic today is infertility, and we'll be talking about miscarriages as well. And Jason and Meredith have experiences with that and even counseling people with that as well. Um, and so we're just grateful for you guys and being willing to come and join us. So why don't we just start by sharing a little bit about your story, maybe specifically focusing in on, on that, that part of your story of infertility and miscarriages and, and so forth.
3: Yeah, um, I can start and you can jump in. Sure. How about that? Yep. Um, Jason and I met when we were 18. In Bible College and dated all the way through.
2: A couple of years ago now. A couple of years <laughs> ago Just <now>. a couple.
3: <laughs> um, and we got married a month after graduation and Jason started seminary right away. And our plan was to have four children before we were 30 and to end up on the mission field, um, um, probably somewhere South Africa, something like that. Um, so as he was going through seminary, um, I was working and just started to have like strange symptoms about a year, a year and a half into our marriage. Um, I felt like I was pregnant all the time, but the tests were always negative. Um, just really started to feel sick quite a bit, um, which made it not super fun with our late nights in student ministry. Uh, uh. Things like that. You guys know that. Now super we do. late nights. And kids always want to eat pizza and chips and hot wings. And when you're not feeling well, you're like, yes, that sounds <laughs> <No> great. You <thanks. laughs> know, <laughs> No, thanks. Uh so it wasn't too long uh, before I went to my doctor and um Lord bless him he just was not helpful at all. Every time <laughs> I saw him he's like you'll be pregnant the next time I see you. Mm-hmm. Uh and the th- the third time I had seen him in 6 months cuz it just was not just such pain and just not feeling well. Um I went in with a stack of I really think I need to see a specialist. Uh and he agreed and so um from there, we started with an endocrinologist and found out quite quickly that I had something called polycystic ovarian syndrome. So if you're familiar with that, it's actually part of the diabetic family, uh, fun facts there, which just means that it's all kinds of things that are yuck. Mm. Um Cause of sin. I think that's one of those, like mm. Mm. just continue to remind myself that we live in a sin-cursed world. Mm. And so started all kinds of medications, started all kinds of treatments. Um, we saw him for about a year before we moved all of our fertility down to Philadelphia. So we, at this time we're living in Northeast Pennsylvania. Jason's attending the seminary that was attached to Bib- Baptist Bible college at that stage. Um, and so we saw, Somehow we ended up getting into one of the premier fertility specialists. Whoa! In the same, she was good friends with Dr. Oz. She was on his show a number of times, and she was just—we really learned to love her. Uh, not a believer, but she was really fun, super helpful. We used to sneak our dog in. We had a dog, <laughs> Maisie. Um, so we would sneak. She was Maisie, or her name was Maddie. Maddie was our little baby, so mm. we would. Hop in the car at, like, 4 in the morning Mm -hmm. and drive down and get the very first appointment for lab works and an ultrasound. And then we would see Dr. Pfeiffer and make it back by, like, the time we had to be at work. Mm -hmm. Um, And we would do that for a few days in a row so that we could try to get the fertility cycle kind of synced. Mm -hmm. Um, Different labs have different readings, so it's really important that we were in their labs. um, Which... At this stage we were super hopeful and we did not really know what we were doing, but we were doing it together. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll <laughs> keep going.
0: Th- that was a nonverbal was communication a for Jason, <laughs> Jason to take over. He didn't quite catch it.
3: Uh. so we lived about an hour and a half or two hours away from the doctor's office. So yeah. doing this is a couple of days in a row, a couple of weeks out of the month. Um, We just, we had at least three to four hours in the car every day together, Mm -hmm. which was really, really beneficial. And Jason had made it a priority that he was gonna do it with me. So I think there was only two or three appointments ever that you didn't make it to. Um, So we had a lot of time to talk. We had a lot of time to just kind of figure out what we were doing, what was really going on. Um, And at that time as well, you know, when it's, when you are raised that what you do is you get married and you ha- you become a mom. Mm-hmm. To not have that be easy. And my plan was, okay, four kids by 30. Um, that, was, that was a big deal for me. That was when I really started to get angry with the Lord and kind of say, uh, my husband is a pastor. Like, we've dedicated our lives to serving you. The least you could do was give us a baby. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, I was just angry, angry with the Lord. Not so much angry with Jason. And Jason never made me feel um, like it was my fault. Satan did that on his own. I always felt really broken, um, like there was something wrong with me that I couldn't do this. And uh, it wasn't until we started talking about it years later that you find out just how prolific infertility and then miscarriage actually are the statistics are alarming it's one in four women Mm -hmm. it's probably actually like one in 3.5 now because this was a few years ago for us so think about your family think about your friends even the people on your street that's there's a few of them that have struggled with this Mm -hmm. and so at this stage um we were in fertility treatments for about six or seven years um trying to, quote-unquote, cure medically what they could. And they got us to the place where our diagnosis was unexplained infertility. And so that was kind of a wake-up call for me, realizing that there wasn't anything that I could do. Mm-hmm. There wasn't anything that we could do. There was no medication. There was no position. There was <laughs> no, like, calculation that could force God's hand if this was not what he had had for us. Mm. Um and it really became one of those times that it's like, um, you know, as the Israelites are traveling through the desert, they they tell them, that their leaders were telling them, put a bunch of stones together so that when your kids see the stones, they can ask you and you can tell them, this is where God did this. Mm-hmm. This is what he did in my life then. And this is one of those times in my life, in our life, when we look back, where I really started to surrender and understand just how much I thought of my capabilities Mm -hmm. and how little I was willing to surrender to the Lord in this way. And that's hard to say to people who are going through it right now because you do feel like you have some control. I mean, we have control over the grocery list and what we watch on TV and where we spend our time and where we spend our money, but you cannot force the Lord to give you what He has not deemed for you what Mm -hmm. he has not written into your life at that Mm -hmm. stage Um, our God is not one to be manipulated no matter how hard you try Mm -hmm. and so it was right around this time that um, I started doing a study of the seven barren women in scripture and there's only one that responds really really well There's Elisha and the Shulamite woman who just says, nope, I'm content. I don't need anything. Um, But the one that really, I mean, I was convinced we were going to have a baby. We are going to have a baby. I was convinced. And so out of all of them, the only one that responds well is Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. Um, And I used to hate that story because she was old. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I did not want to be an old mom. (laughs) Uh, I wanted to be a young, hip, cool mom. Mm -hmm. Um, But Elizabeth rejoiced. And praised the Lord when He gave her a baby, and so I we made it our intention not that Jason would respond like Zachariah, saying "No way," <laughs> but that we would both rejoice in the Lord whatever had come, would mm-hmm. whatever come. And it wasn't like a we changed our heart, and then we started to get pregnant. Um, there were still a couple really difficult things. Jason's sister and her husband drove from Indiana to Pennsylvania where we were to tell us that they were expecting twins. Mm. Um, which I reacted so terribly. Uh, she's forgiven me over and over and over. Every time I apologize, still she forgives me. But I was just so jealous. Yeah. Um, we were wait. I was waiting. This sounds terrible. Like <laughs> this is not a confession podcast. But here we go. There's <laughs> a confession. We were in youth ministry for a really long time, and I was waiting for a teen to get pregnant so that we could adopt the baby. Mm. So that we we'll take the baby, it can be an open adoption, we'll keep it. And we never, never had it. It was never part of our ministry. Um, Almost like the Lord knew. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Nope, you're not even going to manipulate it through somebody else. Mm -hmm. Um, So we did start getting pregnant. um, And then we started losing. Uh, And that was one of those questions, like, is it better to not get pregnant or is it, is it better to get pregnant and at least know that there's a baby waiting for you in heaven? Mm-hmm. Um, and just never know what their face is this side of eternity. Uh, so we really, really struggled. I really, really struggled through that. We had tried all of the medication. We had tried all of the, all of the things. Um, and it just wasn't, wasn't working. So, um, We've had three miscarriages, and um, we were on our last dose of this experimental, super pricey. It's always so expensive. Mm -hmm. Like, fertility medication is like one of the most expensive things that you can spend money on. (laughs) Uh, And we were on our last dose. And um, for years at this stage, Jason had said, I'm okay if it's just the two of us. Like, we are a family. I'm okay if it's just the two of us. You're enough for me. I mean, this man did everything he could to, like, calm me down and set my mind. Right. And I was like, no, 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 I, not yet. I'm not ready. And so we were on our last dose and I was like, okay, I'm ready. If it's just the two of us, that's okay. If That's what God has for us. We'll do missions work and we'll just travel the world preaching the gospel where we can and it'll just be us. And then everybody else needs to have a million babies. Mm. So there's always somebody for me to hold, but not change a diaper, (laughs) (laughs) which I think will be really fun. We, I mean, we even bought Jason's dream car, which was not a family friendly car. We still have it. (laughs) (laughs) It's still not a family friendly car. Um, And so we were set. My mind had changed and we were ready to go. And, um, new year's day of Mm -hmm. 2013, Mm -hmm. Um, I wasn't quite feeling well. Mm. And so I took a pregnancy test and came back into the bedroom. Jason was still asleep. And I think I threw the test at you. Mm. And you were like, well, this could be interesting because it was positive again. Mm-hmm. And at this stage, we had gone through, I think we counted it out, over 120 pregnancy tests. I mean, just crazy stuff. Um,
2: and three miscarriages. So it wasn't the first positive test that we'd seen.
3: Right. It wasn't the first positive test that we had seen.
1: <coughs> and how many years had this been?
3: Uh, this was...
2: It was a 12 at that point, wasn't it?
3: Uh, yeah. Yeah. 12 and a half. 12 oh, and a half mm-hmm. years of fertility treatments. Yeah. Yeah. It's a long time. Yeah. It is a long time. Even when you talk about it still, it just kind of runs together and you're like, yeah, yeah, 12, 12 and a half. We sure. just rounded up to 13. <laughs>
2: so then you kind of wonder, you know, how, how... Public, do we need to be with this? I mean, how how many people yeah. do you tell we're pregnant? But we've lost three babies before, and so you sort of go back and forth trying to think of how how many people to bring along with you in this journey. And um, we just sort of decided early on, just even in our youth ministry with with our students, that we were just going to be as open as we possibly could be. And mm-hmm. yeah. there were several times when we would get very emotional with teenagers, you know, even on a Wednesday night youth group or whatever, or um, you know, we'd go to Philly on missions trips and Meredith and I would have a fertility doctor appointment during the trip. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> you know, so the students would know exactly what was going on and their parents, of course. And, you know, several of these miscarriages, we got up and told the church on Sunday morning. And um, we had been encouraged to do that. And even though we were reluctant, because you don't necessarily want to talk about all that stuff and it feels like you're bearing weakness and things like that. It was really good for us. We mm-hmm. we needed people to come alongside us and love us through that. And actually what happened was people started to say, we went through that or we Mm -hmm. are going through that or, um, you know, what do I do if we do go through this one day? And so it was a great picture of the body for us. And some of our best friends in the whole world went through that time with us and, um, we're still close because of that. And there's some people that we were close to that, you know, we're not close to anymore because Mm -hmm. they, um, they ask stupid questions or they said stupid things. <laughs> uh, hey, give us
0: give us one example of a stupid question, not pointing my <clears throat> fingers, but like I was just talking with Jason Merritt before and he, you know, they're great. He said, nothing's off the table, but there are some questions that are like not very smart or like how can we be more sensitive maybe to friends that that may be going through something like this or family mm-hmm. members?
2: Yeah, I, first of all, I, I think if you're going through something like this, if, if you're the couple that's going through fertility, um, infertility, y- you do have to be understanding, right? Mm-hmm. You do have to understand that what you're going through is not what most people are going through. So most people's perspective is you get married, you have kids. That's what people do, right? Yeah. So
0: What's wrong with you? You, it, you don't have kids yet?
2: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> or or uh, so when are you guys going to start having kids? Or, yeah you know, um, people would ask us about adoption all the time. And those aren't bad questions. Someone said, well, you know, have you, do you have major sin in your life? And again, that's a great question. Um, But it's just sometimes difficult to hear that when you feel like you're keeping short accounts with God and with others, and you feel like you're doing what you need to be doing. And you've had, you know, three appointments two hours away in a row. And it's just a very emotional time. And so, people don't understand what you're going through and that's okay. And you have to be gracious to them and, you know, you just maybe expect that graciousness back from them. So I would just say, is there a stupid question? Yeah, probably. But, you know, just generally just be kind to people and understand that they, they, they may not be what you think is normal. Mm
3: -hmm. They might not know how stupid their question is, actually. (laughs) (laughs) But we got ones like, um, well, you need to pray more, which, you know, I, I understand where that's yeah. coming from, but it comes across as if you're not. Yeah, we sure. got ones that were. Um, you just need to relax. You just need to relax. It'll happen. Yeah. Just relax. Okay. Yeah. Or
2: have you tried this? I mean, or like, yeah, my wife and I struggle with that, so we did this. You know, and you know, everybody's got a tip or a yeah. trick or a technique or something.
3: How, like you would not believe how many people were like. You need to get drunk. Uh, <laughs> I was like, no, I don't. don't There's some things expenses. we didn't try. Scripture says I shouldn't. Yeah.
2: One of our favorite questions. This is not a, a bad question, actually. This just reveals some of, you know, when 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 you're in, when you've got good friends, and especially if you're in ministry together, and like you guys are in youth ministry, and yeah. uh, you have teenagers that are really close to you, and you spend time with them, you love them. There, there was one student, um, especially a young man, who would who would regularly ask Meredith, even publicly, so how's your uterus today? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, and, again, that's maybe not something you want to ask all the time, but that just showed how we were trying to be open, and this guy didn't yeah. really understand what he was he asking, was, but he was being very kind. He was
3: seventh, in seventh grade, yeah. and he was yeah. autistic. Okay. And so we yeah. used to just say, Matt, you can ask me how I'm feeling. Yeah. I promise I'll be honest. That's <laughs> doing, doing pretty well today. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I think it's like anything, though. There, there are people that the world would see as not not the same or not normal, and you know, people feel marginalized. Whether they're single, maybe they feel that way, or maybe they're divorced and they feel that way, or maybe they have had several miscarriages and people don't know about it, or maybe they are walking through a fertility journey and and people don't know. And um, yeah, I came from a family with four kids. Meredith's got you know two siblings, so there's three in her family. Uh, it it isn't what most people go through, but it is more common than maybe we think.
1: Sure. People aren't talking about it.
2: Yeah, that's right.
3: Not as much as, as they probably should. Yeah. You know,
1: um, it's hard. It's hard to know. It is hard to know. What to say or who to tell.
3: It's hard to know how, who to be vulnerable to. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's especially hard to know how to help that person that you love that's going through all of these things. Um, and I think it's important to know that um, other people's happiness is not contingent on whether you are happy or not. Mm. Like, there's not a there's not a only so much happiness to go around. So if they have it, it means that that's happiness that you're not going to have, which took me a while because Satan messes with our minds and, and you get jealous and you get angry and you get bitter and you start to think, well, if they're happy, then I'm never going to be happy. Or mm. it's one more person that's going to do that. And I... I think that applies to anything that you want mm. in life that the Lord is withholding or saying no to you. We automatically think, well, that's one more person. That's just not going to know, understand how I feel, or I'm, I'm never going to be that. I'm, I'm never going to have that, which is not true. And I say this not lightly, but the, th- the things in my life that the Lord has asked me to wait for, um, turn out to be so much more than what I was asking for to begin with. Mm. So the things that I'm asking for, he's saying no, because the things that he really wants to bless me with mm-hmm. are s- are far better than what I'm actually asking for. Mm. They just take a little bit more time to process or to bake.
2: So <laughs> we needed to learn that. And we didn't know that we needed to learn that when we got married. And if we had designed it, right, Meredith talked yeah. about, well, you, you have your plans and we tend to be pretty, Planned and organized. And, you know, <laughs> we, we we think we we if think you we know write. the Jacksons. That's an understatement.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we
2: think we have the best idea for everything and everybody, right? And we we needed. Yeah. And again, I don't say this lightly. I appreciate how you said that. We needed to be taught mm. that what we think is right is not always what's best. And we needed the time together, just the two of us, to actually fall in love with each other. We loved each other, but we, I don't think, would ever love each other the way we do now if we didn't have all those hours together with just the two of us. Mm-hmm. Now, that's us. It's not everybody, right? Every every, every couple's different, and yeah. it's okay. But for us, I believe that God knew that we desperately just needed to fall in love with each other before we had kids in the house, and that... The, th- the stuff that we thought we had planned out really, really well was actually not what was going to be best for us, mm. and we needed to learn that, and we still do, we still mm-hmm. do, but I think that's one of the reasons why God withheld something good from us for a time, so that we might experience what's better in the yeah. long run. Yeah. And everybody that's listening to this is going through something like that, right? You know, I, I don't like my job. I wish I wish I had that job, or I wish I had kids, or I wish I had more kids, or I wish I had fewer kids. <laughs> you know, <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe or a health thing or a financial thing. I don't know something. Yeah. And the truth is, God is still on the throne, and mm-hmm. He He gets it, and He knows exactly what He's doing, and He's either withholding something from you. Um, because it's not what's best, or he's allowed something in your life because that you don't want, because that is what's best. Mm-hmm. And what's best ultimately is glorifying him by being more like his son, Jesus, so...
3: Yeah. So our story actually continues. I was gonna say, yeah. how yeah. about? We, yeah, it didn't stop I, in 2013. I interrupted. So the best.
0: I, so yeah, so did we <laughs> so end off. We so paused 2013? at the. We at at got the good we news. got ten years to catch up on yeah. here.
2: <laughs> we do actually have a child. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert! We Shocker. Do.
3: We do. Um. Yeah. Even that year. Tw- even that year that that I was pregnant with Judah there's so much fear yeah mm. there's so much anxiety there's so much bargaining mm. that goes on between you and the Lord it's it's one-sided all of those things are one-sided um, but even realizing that every time you you bring that to the Lord he answers he's willing to take those things and say I know that you're fearful and and I I am the one that conquers that fear for you. I am continually faithful. And even if Mm. this ended in another miscarriage, I am still faithful. I am still good. I cannot be mean to you because I am good. I'm not punishing you. If God was punishing us, that means that Christ's sacrifice wasn't enough. And why would God kill his son if it wasn't enough? Mm. So why would there be any punishment left for us? Which Mm. was huge for me. Because there is so much of that broken, I've done something wrong. I can't appease this angry God, right? I I actually can't. That's mm-hmm. why Jesus had to. Yeah. So that continual gospel in front of you was really, really, really important for for us, for me. Judah came, and he's still here. Um, <laughs> and it wasn't shortly after that that we moved. Judah was had just turned two when we moved here to Iowa from Pennsylvania, and. Um,
2: <clears throat> so we moved here, and people just assumed. Oh, You you have a son, you're gonna keep having they kids. They thought we were younger, they thought we yeah. were a lot younger
3: than we are. Hey, yeah.
0: there you go. So, you are the young hip mom, <laughs> we are,
3: you're right, we are, and dad. We are. Can Sorry. we come back next month, too? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so, actually, in
1: a way, you started over. I mean, yeah. in this coming here, kind yeah. of, yeah, yeah, the way that people yeah. viewed your story, they didn't know they didn't they know, know the all the backstory,
0: yeah, it, yeah. I mean, a few people here, maybe, but not, not most people
3: yeah. until. We had another miscarriage. Yeah. 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 So it was, um, we came and our house didn't sell. So we lived in Jason's very (laughs) gracious sister and brother-in-law's very dark basement. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, we had to put our dog down.
1: Yeah. Uh, and then I
3: had a miscarriage and my grandmother died on the Uh, same day. mm -hmm. And I, I didn't realize with the three previous miscarriages that every time I would just sink a little bit lower. Mm. Emotionally, mentally, until the third one came, and I it was it was pretty difficult for me to bounce back from that one. I mean, just bounce back—that's um, not really a thing. It was it was hard for me to come back. It was hard for me to surrender the anger um, and the sadness and that broken feeling. Was like a tidal wave that came back, mm. and so we just continued to go. And then I had another. Mm-hmm. Miscarriage. So we've had five total, yeah. and at that stage, Judah was four.
2: Yeah, you ran f- five, maybe
3: four and a half or five, because yep. it was about five and a half years ago. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and I.
2: So he knew when we came home from the doctor, we we sat him down and we told him.
3: Yeah, yep. He knew that there was no baby, and he would cry with us. Yeah, he mm-hmm. did. Um, but I would also continue to sink lower. And so that got to the point where um, I thought about driving driving off a cliff. Mm. I now mean, there's not a lot of cliffs in Iowa, it's but hard there, to find. there <laughs> was flat. a spot. There was a spot that I really thought, um, and it was a fleeting thought. It was it wasn't there for very long, um, but that was a wake up call. Mm-hmm. And Judah was in the back seat as I was driving, having that thought. So the Lord allowed that to not be something that I could act on in that moment, mm. um, but the the despair and the discouragement and the depression that came along with that one uh, was really frightening. It was just very dark and very frightening. And I had already, we had Judah. Mm-hmm. He was there and he was wonderful and he was super giggly and just like a fun, fun kid. But the discouragement and the kind of culmination of everything that we had gone through, Satan continued to just bring back with a vengeance. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that was, that was a really good turning point for me in learning how to lament. Well, Mm -hmm. learning how to tell the Lord, these are not good things that are going on in my heart and in my head, but I know that you're good, even though this looks like, like you are mean and like you don't Mm -hmm. care. And like, you've just left, I can't see you anywhere around here. Um, but it was super powerful for me, and I am terrible at memorizing scripture. Terrible, but the Lord gave me a psalm during that fifth miscarriage that has just kind of summed up perfectly for me how I felt um, and how how I wanted to come out of it. And it's Psalm thirteen. If you've ever sat with me in the counseling office, I'm pretty sure that we've spent a lot of time in Psalm thirteen. Mm. And it says, O Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Restore the light to my eyes, or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat, saying, We have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. But I have trusted in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he has been so good to me. The ESV has, he has dealt bountifully with me. So remembering again, his unfailing love and rescuing me, that's the gospel. Mm -hmm. That's my salvation, that the Lord did not owe me. Just like he doesn't owe me children. Mm -hmm. He doesn't owe me babies. (laughs) even though my plan was for, he doesn't owe me. That was my expectation that I put on the Lord and thought I can do this. No problem. Why wouldn't the Lord do this for me? Yeah. And realizing again and again and again, that first of all, I don't deserve salvation and he gave it to me freely. And that is the most amazing, important thing in my life that I could ever ask for that I didn't deserve. And yet he continues to, to allow me to have that relationship with him.
0: Yeah. And there's, there's so much there. And thanks for sharing your story and allowing me to interject in the middle and <laughs> <laughs> ask some, maybe some stupid questions. But, no. um, and uh, But just a couple more questions, mm. maybe as a follow-up. And honestly, you've answered a lot of the questions we were already going to tackle, um, which is great. But uh, one of them, and Jason, this is a softball to you. And Meredith, you can answer as well. But this is, if you know Jason, he's all about more people more like Jesus, and and that's what our church is about as well. And uh, so, what, how, do, how has this made you, Jason and Meredith, or even as a couple, or even all three of you with Judah, more like Jesus?
2: Yeah that that has to be one of the questions that we constantly ask. Whether you have kids, don't have kids, married, you know, healthy, sick, whatever. Um, how is what God is allowing or not allowing in my life, Mm -hmm. uh, intentionally there to help me be more like his son, to give God glory by making me or helping me make others like Jesus. Um, uh, There's a lot of different directions Mm -hmm. we could go with that. I think you've heard some of that from from Meredith already. I I can't get away from that story of Jesus in the garden where he's about to go to the cross. He, He knows it. This is Jesus. He's known all along, right? He's going to the cross. His disciples are fast asleep. He's... Uh, sweating, and drops of blood are coming out at the same time. I mean, he's in in anguish, and he's praying, and he he just collapses in front of God, his Father, Jesus the Son, God the Father. And he says, Father, if there's any way that this whole salvation thing, redemption of the world, sin could be atoned, taken care of, if there's any way that this can happen without me going to— this is Jesus—without me going to the cross— Like, speak now, right? I'll take that. I'll I'll, I'll take take that route. (laughs) Exactly. I'll take door number two, right? Because, you know, I'd I'd rather not, in a sense. I'm putting words into the mouth there a little bit. But basically what he says is, not my will. I'm going to surrender my will. I'm going to surrender my plan. I'm going to surrender what I would be most comfortable with or prefer, but your will be done. And he knows what God's will is. It's Mm -hmm. not, not a surprise to him, right? He's the Messiah. And God allows him, causes him to go to the cross, and Jesus surrenders everything that he is to his Father. And we've had to learn that, right? And we're not great at it, but but I think God started to teach us that in earnest when we were going through those, um, those drives to Philadelphia and wondering what the blood work was going to reveal and wondering what this ultrasound was going to reveal and... You know, we're eight. We're eight weeks in. Is there going to be a heartbeat? And and nope, there wasn't. And uh, how do you respond from that? Are you are you going to stay angry at God? Are you going to I deserve this? It's my right. Are you going to arrogantly shake your fist in front of Him, or are you going to say, "Not my will, but Yours mm. be done." You know, people, when Judah was born, they said, God blessed you with the Son. And absolutely. You know, we. I was just here this morning in Psalm 127. Yeah, right? I was going to say Psalm
0: 127. That's Child- perfect.
2: Children are a heritage from the yeah. Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward like arrows. You know, the f- blesses the man who fills his quiver with kids. Have as many kids as you can, God says. They're a blessing. So when we had Judah, people said, oh, he's blessed you with Judah. And we would often say yes absolutely and in fact his name means praise god bless god for the gift yeah judah madison jackson but we were blessed way before judah mm. came that's not the only blessing god has given us yeah. and psalm 13 let like meredith talked about that the first blessing is the gospel and yeah. so how have we been more like jesus yeah we're it's a journey we're still working on that but god is reminding us that it's best when we live not jason's will but God's will be done and sometimes that means you got to wait a little bit sometimes it means god you think you've got the best plan but god's got something much better for you in the long run and we're all going through something like that right now
0: yeah yeah yeah, Where my I was gonna yeah, say I was gonna
3: say the same thing. Oh, <laughs> I was gonna say perfect. the garden.
0: You guys um, have been married a while. Yeah, we've yeah. talked have talked, <laughs> You've about, talked this. about this a couple of times. <laughs>
2: Every once in a while. Just
0: just a few hours.
3: There's so many places in the New Testament to talk about um your suffering, you know, when you suffer, count mm. it joy, because you will understand the Lord. You'll be like him in his suffering. And so we often just go to the cross. We often just think like, oh, yep, this is my cross. But when you think about the suffering that the Lord endured, there was more than that. There was the humiliation of the trials. There was the beatings. There was this beard being pulled out. There was the, th- a th- the crown of thorns on his head. That did not It didn't all happen right at once. It wasn't just like three hours of agony on the cross. There was a long time coming up to that. And so we often just think like, okay, well, I just want this to be over with. I just want to get this done, and then we can move on. But even in the process of Christ going to the cross for us, there was a process there. It wasn't just like God said, okay, we're just going to get this done with and get this over with and snap our fingers and and move on to the next thing. The Lord is always concerned with the process of us becoming more like Christ in whatever it is that he's given us. And so that faithful obedience... The doing the next right thing, doing the next thing that Jesus would do. And we know that by spending time in the word, we know that by, by following his life and talking like he would talk and paying attention to the people that he would pay attention to and prioritizing the things that he would. And so I think the wanting to be more like him is something that, that I have learned through this. It is the longest trial I mean, aside from just being a sinful person mm-hmm. in our lives that we have endured. There have been hard, sometimes harder things that we've gone through in our lives, but this has been the longest mm-hmm. where we've needed to patiently endure mm-hmm. to become more like Jesus.
2: You know, a lot of what we talk about around here it re- revolves around this, around, around what Scripture says, who God is and who we are, and then this phrase that we've sort of developed, making more people more like Jesus. And we have these phrases that we call our core values. It's how we become, how, how we live to be like Jesus. And God has really, um, he's really written those on, on our lives. You know, Meredith's just talking about obedience. You know, we, when it comes to obedience, we see little as big, right? So it's those little steps. It's those little, those little habits. It's the little decisions that you make that in the long run are part of this huge journey, and God taught us that. It's, it's living on mission. It's making disciples as we go. God doesn't promise you kids, but you have to make disciples. I mean, that's what Christians are. It's worship, you know, surrendering the moment. We just talked about that with Jesus yeah. in the garden. It's community. We're better together. We noticed that. We relied on that. We lived that out. So these aren't just things that we talk about because they're catchy phrases or whatever. We have absolutely seen this. Um, we, we, can't, we can't live without um, who God shows us who he is in, in scripture and, and some of these things that we've just kind of developed over time. Yeah. It's been very important to us.
1: Yeah. yeah. That's really good. And I was just, you know, as you were sharing your story and as we're talking about all this thinking through Meredith, especially when you mentioned, you know, how common this is, this is, mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that that struggle with this and I was thinking I have a close group of, there's about five of us that have been friends since college. And of that five of us, three out of the five have or are still experiencing infertility. And I'm one of the ones that has not. Um, But so how can you how could someone even someone like me who has not experienced this or even someone who's maybe in a different way or whatever? How can we encourage those friends? What scriptures can we point them to? Like, how can we how can we love them well? I'm so
3: glad you asked this question. That's a good question. (laughs) Um, Right. They're your friend. So it doesn't matter what they're going through or it's your, it's your daughter. It's your daughter-in-law. It's your sister. It's your neighbor. So you love them no matter what they were going through. Mm -hmm. If they were going through cancer or they broke their leg or their cat died, those, you just need to be with them Mm -hmm. during those times. And anytime, Satan is involved, which is all the time, right? He's always trying to get us to doubt that God is for us, that he actually loves us. And he's trying to distract us from what God is doing in our lives. He is going to bring in all of the lies. And when that happens, the isolation is our immediate response. So if you have someone in your life that you know of that's struggling with this, Satan is going to tempt them to isolate. And it's all it takes is just to we can watch TV together. Or we can go for a walk together. We can say nothing together, but I'm coming to be with you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, we're just going to physically be together. And it's a weep with people who weep, mm-hmm. mourn with people who mourn, rejoice with people who rejoice. It's okay to just be there. And sometimes we have this feeling like, um, I'm sad. So that's all I am. I'm sad. But we have been created in God's image, and He's multifaceted. And then so are we in our emotional capability. So you can be happy and still have joy, and you can be frustrated and sad and lonely and sorrowful all at the same time and have those those conversations where you laugh and you cry and you get angry and you probably eat things if you're a woman that you shouldn't, <laughs> like lots and lots of Oreos or ice cream or candy. <laughs> But you can do all of those things,
0: especially uh, if you're Jason. He loves ice cream. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> men do that too. Men do that. <laughs>
3: and I think um, if it's a if you if you're a couple going through this, so if your friend, if you're a family, be there, mm-hmm. bring them something to eat, give them hugs. They are probably feeling broken. They are probably wrestling through what they're going on. If it's a female, especially if she's had, if she's undergoing infertility treatments, there's all kinds of extra chemicals going on in her body. So what is normally a month of lots of chemical changes in a woman's body is added to. Um, she's probably hurting physically. So things like gift certificates to massages or pedicures, things like that, even if it's just pillows or... Um, Every miscarriage that we had, mm-hmm. we did something. And the last two, we I bought pillows because you need something to hold. Mm-hmm. Um, the first couple were like, uh, we bought a raspberry bush because the baby would have been about the size of a raspberry, and we planted it at our house. But the last few, I needed something to hold on to. Mm-hmm. So just like a pillow that matches their house or something special. Um, I have a sister-in-law, and her first miscarriage, I had this – cute little tiny China Damakos teacup, which is just a smaller teacup. And so I gave it to her with the intention of this is not used every day, but it is specific. It's for a specific purpose. And she loved antiques. And so this is one of those antiques that will remind you that your baby serves a purpose. Mm. There is something really specific that, that God wanted to do with your daughter And he knows exactly how to use that still. Mm -hmm. And just because you can't hold her and you don't know what her face is doesn't mean that she doesn't have a face. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that she wasn't a person. And it doesn't mean that she's not well-loved and cared for right now. But as a couple, um, one of the the best things that Jason did was um, he just would hug me. And I would get lost in like, like let's let's clean the house or let's do dinner or let's get this going and he would just hold me and make me stop. Still to this day, you're like, can you just hug me back, please? <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> I'm a hugger. Yes,
3: yeah, uh, which was really good for me to just stop and be able to be present. He mm. gave me permission to mm. to not be okay, to not have it all together in those moments, and to to ugly cry, mm. um, and to be okay. And he would pray with me often. Um, when I couldn't, when I couldn't read scripture, he would do it for me and with me, which was super helpful.
2: And I'll just say, so every, every infertility journey has a man and a woman that's listening to this, right? Mm -hmm. Every miscarriage is a, is basically a man and a woman (laughs) that's going through that. And so there's guys that are listening to this thinking, or their wife is saying, Hey, you should listen to this (laughs) or whatever. (laughs) And, um, Guys typically don't respond in the same way, and they don't know how to respond. And they they can look like cavemen and oafs and things like that. They they just don't know what to do for their for their wives in situations like this. And so sometimes it is just just hold them, or just take them out, or just let them be angry, or just let them cry, or just let them whatever. But I would just say, if you're a guy and you're going through this, you know, with as a couple with your wife, then. Find somebody to talk to. Mm-hmm. Find somebody that's just going to ask you the questions because you're not necessarily okay just because you feel like you don't know what you're going through right now. Find somebody. Talk to your small group of guys about it. Find a friend, a believer that is going to just be there for you. And you need to process this too. And, you know, guys process things very differently. That's okay. Um, but process it. Find somebody. Don't, mm-hmm. just, don't just don't talk about it because you don't know how to talk about it. It's okay.
0: Yeah. That's really good. I was, I was just—you took the words right out of my mouth. I was just sitting here thinking, how can I get Jason's perspective and maybe even give hope or or encourage or challenge a a guy, the husband half um, of this. Great job. I didn't have (laughs) (laughs) that. I didn't know how to ask the question, but you—you did it. You did it. (laughs) Whatever it is, you you did it.
2: You have to have friends, right? And so we've sort of joked about this a little bit. You have to have friends that. Uh, that you can be yourself with, yeah. that you really can struggle with, and Alyssa, you guys are already good at this. You really are. We, get, we know you. We know you're good at this. Um, it's a, it's a, you won't you won't do everything perfectly as friends of people who are struggling with this. Yeah. But you're consistent, and you love, and you're there. And sometimes that's all that it is. Sometimes it's an index card with a verse. Sometimes it's bring yeah. a coffee. Sometimes it's a yeah gift card to a massage or something. Or sometimes it's hey, would you want to babysit our kids? Now that can be touchy right? And you got to know the friends, but yeah.
3: be okay if they say no. It, yeah that's all right <laughs>
2: right it, You're friends and, and you yeah. love each other and so just be kind and sensitive but do life together.
0: Yeah.
3: But to the couple that is going through the either the infertility or the miscarriage, I think it's important for you to know that your worth and your value is not wrapped up in whether you are a parent or not yeah. And whether you, have a baby in front of you or a child that you can hold or not. If you are a parent, you know, if you've had a miscarriage, you are a parent. It's okay to talk about that. It's okay to miss. It's okay to grieve. Mm -hmm. But if you're a couple, um, you need to remember that 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 is the primary earthly relationship that you have without, without your spouse, there is no baby. (laughs) So a, a baby is going always going to be secondary. So the mm. relationship that you have with your husband or wife is the most important, and and you are so much more than whether or not you can produce more people on yeah. the planet. And if you're struggling with that, it's a good, it's okay to just take a step back and say we need to have some fun. Mm-hmm we act like we need to have sex where it's not clinical. Like it's not timed. We need to have some fun. We need to be able to be who God has created us to be. We need to be able to be goofy. We need to be able to be productive. We need to be able to to do things that are not centered around whether or not we can be successful in our own eyes in this, which is, that was hugely fun for us.
2: Yeah, Don't waste that part of the journey that God has you in. Just ask those questions. What is What might God be trying to teach us about himself, about us, about what he wants for us? And if the answer is constantly, well, nothing because we don't have kids or Mm -hmm. we can't we can't do such and such that we really want because we don't have kids. Mm. Well, then maybe the maybe the, the root of that is your identity is too much in what you don't have. Mm. God hasn't promised us those types of things. The very same passage, right? Psalm 127, we, we do quote that about, man, isn't it great to have kids? This is how the passage begins. Unless the Lord builds the house, mm-hmm. the family, Yep. those who build it labor in vain. Mm. So God is in charge of all that stuff. Amen. And if we try to do stuff on our own power, whether it's have kids or get a job or cure cancer or whatever, God's saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I'm still the one who builds the house here. Don't mm-hmm. take that from him.
1: Yeah. yeah, that's good. You're saying a lot of the same things that um, we talked with Curtis and Lisa about. We had just a couple of months ago, we had a conversation with them about how to be friends as parents with people who don't have kids. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I love that you're saying those same things. Yeah. You know, your success and your value does not come from whether or not you have kids in your home. Or whether that's your right. children are um, good
0: or turn out right or great point. all yeah, of those yeah. things. Great
1: point. Yeah, yep. Walking yeah. with the Lord. Where
0: is your identity so. ultimately?
1: Yeah, yeah, if somebody wants to hear more, they could definitely go back and listen to that episode. That was really good, too.
0: Really, yeah.
2: you could fill that blank in with a lot of things, yeah. actually, yeah. right? So I don't have kids. I don't have a wife. I don't have the job. I don't have the money. I don't have the house. I don't have the whatever. And and it's the same answer, right? It's you, Maybe God hasn't given that to you yet or ever because your identity would be found in that, and he yeah. knows that.
0: yeah. We're talking to our teens about that right now. What is your identity, belonging, and purpose in life? And cool. if it's not Jesus, then it's the wrong thing.
2: Yeah. Good. That's yep. good. Hopefully they learn it and
0: uh, don't,
1: don't struggle well, for the rest well, of their life.
0: <laughs> we're trying to teach them young whether they're listening or not.
2: <laughs> they're listening. They, just, they won't admit it yet.
1: Preaching to the choir. <laughs>
0: uh-huh. Well, uh, we want to start something. Kind of toward the end of our podcast, how can we pray for you as parents? How can—this this podcast is, is mostly for Say Little Church people. So if you're outside of Say Little Church, we're glad you're listening in, but it's actually mostly just for, for the people here. So how can we pray for you as parents? And then uh, if you have any resources that maybe were helpful to you yeah. other than the Bible, we yeah. know God's Word, and that's always the right answer, and people— yeah. Um, if you have any other resources, let us know that, too.
2: So I'll do the prayer thing quick, and then you've got some resources. Oh, I have some prayers, to. too, yeah. Okay, so uh, <laughs> I'll just be very simple on this. Pray for us individually, right? Our relationship with Christ is absolutely primary, th- that it would be primary. So just pray for our relationship with Christ, that it's deep and intimate mm-hmm. and, and absolutely necessary. And then for our relationship as a married couple, that. That's got to be the human relationship that is absolutely prioritized here, and, um, and and things get busy, and things get stressful, and things get crazy, and sometimes our culture, a lot of times our culture pulls at that relationship. And if you're married, you, that has to be a priority, and you've got to make pri- you've got to make time and energy for that. Mm-hmm. So pray that we will do that. Um, so for ourselves, for our marriage, and then we are parents of. A son, And so we're, we're praying that he grows up to be more like Jesus, too, and um, that he learns these things that we've had to learn and that we respond appropriately when he has to learn these things. Mm-hmm. Because he's a little human and he still does basically what we tell him to do or else I pick him up and make him do it. Uh, but he's not always going to be like that, yeah. mm-hmm. as, as you guys know. And so that he that he would be who Jesus wants him to be, and that we would respond well when God teaches him some hard lessons.
3: Yeah, mm. yeah. I those are really really great. I'm glad you said all of those. I will also say, um, and you your girls are in the same boat. Um, J- Judah is a pastor's kid, mm-hmm. uh, and so sometimes Saylorville is a big place. Um, and our kids are here a lot and they're very comfortable here at the church. Um, but sometimes the expectations that our church family has on our, on our children as pastor's children is different than their own kids or their grandkids or something like that. And so I would just echo what Jason said. We're, we're raising little sinners mm-hmm. yeah, who are human. going to sin, mm-hmm. um, and it, just because they're pastors' kids doesn't mean they're getting it perfect and doesn't mean that they're going to be angels all the time. So um, we love, we actually love it when um, people come alongside us and help Shepherd Judah's heart towards Jesus. Sometimes that means calling him out on mm-hmm. his sin, mm-hmm. which is is good, and we would love to do that with you <laughs> if you if you see that or you know that's going on. <laughs> uh, we'd like to be a part of that. Um, but just knowing, yeah, there's great, great, great potential there. Like there is with all kids, yeah. and we're really excited. Um, yeah. I yeah resources resources. So I just took a walk through the counseling office here. Um, Some of the resources, well, let me say, there weren't a lot of helpful additional resources to God's Word when we were going through all of these. So these are just some things that we have um, in the counseling office, but you can get them on Amazon if you'd like. Um, One based on your last question, Alyssa, about how mm-hmm. can we help. Um, there's a book, a tiny little book called Caring for One Another by Ed Welch, which has got some really practical, this is how to love other believers. This is how to one another, mm. each other, like scripture says. That's really, uh, it's eight ways to cultivate meaningful relationships, which mm. when you have those meaningful relationships, walking through struggle is much easier. Yeah. Um, speaking of struggle, Elizabeth Elliot Uh, wrote a book called Suffering is Mm. Never for Nothing. Um, And this was actually published after she passed away. So it's a transcript of Mm -hmm. a workshop that she taught. Um, So they kind of explain that in the introduction. But this is, it's a simple, easy read. All of Elizabeth Elliot's Mm. stuff is very, very easy to read. Um, But she just defines suffering in a really easy way that makes us all understand that We do have suffering in our lives and then points back to Christ saying, not my will, but yours, Lord, and and how we are like him when we suffer and how suffering helps us to become more Mm -hmm. like Jesus. Mm -hmm. So that's a really good one. And then um, every year I do like a here's the best book I read. This year, and so now I have a little list. But the best book I read in 2022 is a book. Other by,
2: than Retractions by Pat Nemers. Oh,
3: I, <laughs> I thought that was a given. Duh, okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The <laughs> that was book. assumed. The second that was best. Assumed. Don't worry. Year. I am 99% sure Pastor Pat <laughs> does not listen to this podcast.
1: <laughs> Jared, <laughs> did you finish his book yet?
0: <laughs> We're going okay, we to talk on. about that.
3: <laughs> my 2022 recommendation That's that I. It's my
0: goal s- for next week. <laughs> for
3: <laughs> yes, that's amazing. <laughs> um, uh, this book is a book ca- by Mark Vorgra- Vorgop. Vrogop. Say it again.
0: V-R-O-E-G-O-P, We'll put the, we'll put the okay. link in the show notes below. <laughs> Great guy.
3: <laughs> this book um is a, a book about lament. It's called Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. Mm. Um, and this has just been, I mean, even in the introduction and foreword, he mentions infertility and miscarriage um, and some of the difficulty going through. And this is one of the books that I just exhausted so many highlighters on. Mm. Um, It's really good to go through with other people. There's questions at the end of each chapter. But this is one of those books that teaches you the language of lament, which we see all over scripture. We're just really bad at talking through. This is how to lament well, um, which has been really, really helpful for us. So those are my top three.
0: Awesome. 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 And we'll link those uh, below in the show notes. So,
2: Can I yeah, give one more resource? You can. Uh, find <laughs> somebody older oh, yeah. in in the Lord than you. Not necessarily older in age, but somebody that's deeper in their walk than you are. And just rely on them. Just go to them. Yeah. as And like as a couple, right? So yeah. mm-hmm. if you're going through something like this, find a couple. And if you need to know names or whatever, come to us and we'll... Maybe connect you with people. But there are people that have gone through stuff like this. Yeah. That doesn't um, need to be exactly that. No.
0: It's no. People have suffered. No. You F- know.
2: Find somebody that will tie us to you, you know, older, younger.
0: Yeah.
3: Well, in second Corinthians one, it doesn't it doesn't qualify you've been comforted from this, You're so right. you can comfort other people who are going yeah. through this. It just says once you've been comforted excuse me, you can comfort. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, that's this is really good, and we could probably go on for hours. But I'm sure our listeners are already waning in their uh, <laughs> attention. I know that it takes me uh, if if podcasts keep going on and on like I am right now.
2: Are you trying to wrap me gonna- up? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. You can't do it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Read the
0: closing. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. We'll just wrap it up. Thanks for listening <laughs> to this episode of the Parenting Podcast. And thank you, Jacksons. Really, sincerely, thanks for coming and sharing and joining us. Um, We'll be providing, again, links to the resources that we mentioned here. And we're currently lining up guests for the next month. So if you have a topic or questions you'd like us to tackle down in future episodes, just let us know. We'd love to hear from you, just knowing that you listen and are being challenged and encouraged is an encouragement to us. So thanks for joining us.